good morning, good night, and everything else in between. What's up guys, it's Denny, let's get into the specials. On Monday morning, California Governor Gavin Newsom signed a bill into law to make it legal for college athletes to get endorsement deals. California is the first state to pass such a law, and personally I'm just happy to see small schools like UCLA and USC get a chance to recruit against the big boys. Retailer Forever 21 filed for bankruptcy this past week and a move that millennials find both relatable and incredibly on brand. Guys, I'm not sure if you saw this one, but Beyonce and Adele have a new collaboration in the works. Unfortunately, you have to listen to an entire One Republic record to hear it. And finally, there are three undefeated teams left in the NFL, the Chiefs, the Pats, and the 49ers, of which only one has a quarterback that has hit the big 4-0 while being 4-0, and the other guys' ages I don't even think adds up to 40. Guys, it is International Podcast Day. So thank you for locking in with us. My name is Denny Gallagher, and you are listening to Later. Live from New York. You are listening to the sometimes glamorous, always cantankerous, borderline magnanimous audio art of the new James Brown. Move over, Charlie Brown. There's a new kid in town. Whether it's 5 o'clock while you are or not, you better take your shot because a later Friday big show is coming in hot. Welcome on into the show. Thanks for stopping by today. Let's set the table real quick before we get into a couple things. We have Serena Morales coming up on the program today. Recorded this interview a little bit ago. Uh, Her Rams had a tough loss this past weekend, but it was great to talk to her about her career, how she ended up with the Rams, her career at ESPN, all that stuff. She's hilarious, guys. This is probably one of the more fun interviews we've done thus far she's amazing uh follow her instagram morales morales she's all over everything got a career started in social media you'll hear all about that so awesome stuff there with her guys the nba is back well at least kind of media days started on friday and they've been rolling a little bit and you know this is the silly season this is when people are taking their pictures this is when everybody wants to rank everything under the sun and including who's the best chef in the nba which if you saw any of clippers media day from sunday you would know that Kawhi is a big fish guy big filleting of the fish but not in the mcdonald's kind of way more in like the I'm a man, I catch my fish, and I eat it too. Hey, maybe that's actually what Kawhi Leonard has done his entire career. If you teach a man to fish, no, excuse me, if you give a man a fish, he'll he'll win a championship for a year like he did with the Raptors. But if you teach a man to fish, you know, you'll build championship pedigree. And that's exactly what Kawhi Leonard's trying to do out here with the Los Angeles Clippers, at least on the two-year deal that him and Paul George are on. So I think that that's going to be really interesting. Meanwhile, on the opposite coast, you have Kyrie Irving, you have Kevin Durant welcoming themselves to New York, welcoming themselves to Brooklyn. KD celebrated his birthday at Dave & Buster's, which, by the way, if you're celebrating your, your birthday your 31st birthday, 31st year of life at a Dave & Buster's. Man, 
I hope that thing sponsors. That's the only thing. That's the only way that this makes sense is if they're paying you to come into Times Square, Dave and Buster's. I mean, geez, guys. Like, that's how you know that they've never been here. And Kyrie should know better. Kyrie's out here. He's New York, New Jersey. He's got that whole thing on lock. You know, I think the acceptable age to stop having your birthday at Dave and Buster's is over 21. More importantly, Kyrie's out here. Seems really mature at Nets Media Day commented on how the breakup from Boston was a big part of losing his grandfather, how, how that really messed with him. And I get it. I get it how, you know, you cannot always act act yourself when that kind of stuff happens. So it's good to see him in a better headspace at Nets Media Day. It's going to be really interesting. KD's getting up shots, non-contact shots, but he's still getting up shots, which is a good thing to see. I, You know, they say he's not going to play this year, but we'll see. All timetables are very fluid. So there's that. And then you have LeBron starting his second year with the Lakers. Reports from workouts say that that's going very well. The Dwight Howard puzzle piece could be interesting if this Dwight Howard gamble pays off. And we're not sure if if it will. It certainly hasn't paid off. Actually, he was pretty decent in Charlotte. Last year in D.C. was an abomination. But we'll see how he can handle the bright lights of LA for the second time. I think LeBron keeps everybody with that championship mindset. Last year, they were trying to say the right things that a championship team would say. This year, they're kind of doing more of the same, but more of the actions are there. Still think that the Lakers are the second best team in LA. I mean, when you have a, a team that was already gr- great, good to great in the Clippers, and then you add two top 10 players in the league to your team that means that you're going to be in the championship conversation right away so i really like the clippers really high on them going to be interesting to see what they do and then the east coast it's anybody's game milwaukee has their media day today philadelphia has their media day today kind of interesting look for philadelphia they've sacrificed shooting for going big we're going to see how that pays out could pay out big because as we've seen with Giannis in the FIBA World Cup, that when you clog the lane on him and don't allow him to get to the bucket, he struggles a lot. Has to develop that shot during the season. Didn't really also see that during the FIBA World Cup this summer. Didn't see that in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. So I think the, the move to go away from shooting, yet yeah, it may take away from their regular season win total, but I think if they get to the Eastern Conference Finals against the Bucks and they have a lot of length and height inside i think that that's going to be able to limit Giannis and what he can do but the the big game changer here is if Giannis can develop that shot for the bucks this year the bucks have gone out and they lost malcolm brogdon but they bought brought in west matthews they brought in kyle corver ursan's back they they added robin lopez and they added dragon bender so they really added some interesting pieces and just, just the evolution. They've, they've, they've got George Hill back. They got Pat Connaughton back. I think that the Bucks are in a good position to easily be the favorite in the East. A team like Indiana, I also like in the East. But then, of course, nobody out in the Western Conference is talking about the Utah Jazz. The addition of Mike Conley will be huge for a team that was great last year. Adding a guy who's really flown under the radar through most of his career, I think it's going to be an interesting take. So that kind of sets the table for you as you head into these media days. A lot to check out there. And we'll be doing more hoops as the season gets going. I'm so happy it's back. But now it's time for a song of the day. 
recorded this interview with Serena while I was out in LA. So it's only fitting that we give a California artist the floor here. And one of the big LA artists that I've been listening to lately is Haim. So let's play their latest one as summer winds down here. Temperatures start to drift a little bit. The air gets a little colder when you wake up in the morning. Here is Summer Girl by Haim. And after that, L.A. Rams, team reporter, Serena Morales. L.A. on the mind, I can't breathe. They want to close my eyes, so hard to breathe. What's happening? Yo, what's up? Hi. How's it going? Good, how are you? Good, good. Wait, so where exactly is the Rams facility? I'm so, oh my God. I'm so turned so around out here. Away. This is the studio, but um, it's in Agora Hills. It's like an hour away from humanity. <laughs> so it's just far away from everything. Oh it's my just, goodness. And then they practice even further. So after this, I head up to their practice facility, which is even another 15 minutes away. So it's Damn. just far. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> I know. So what's your typical day like then? Mondays is like recapping everything from the game if we play on Sunday. Tuesdays are a quieter day, and then that's planning out for the rest of the week. But Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, the team has practice, so we cover practice. I do my podcast on Thursdays, and then games um, is a, a, a whole other animal. So, But practice I cover from depending on when they do pressers and stuff, so it's like practices from two to it's later today because they play sunday night right. against the uh, browns so it's a little later so they adjust everything based on the game and so that's why you never know like the practice <laughs> schedule gets released like sunday after they play and then they're like okay cool so you brought up the podcast rambling let's talk about it what is yeah. it outside of uh you rambling oh yeah well outside <laughs> of that i um i uh I basically bring on a random uh, person every day, every week. So I had Danny Trejo on the last one. I was one. just going to bring that up. <laughs> I know. Um, Danny Trejo. And then um, I, I have Adam Lefko, spoiler alert, from Bleacher Report uh, on it this week. I kind of bring in – it's kind of like a mix of both um, – sports uh reporters and personalities and guys like danny trejo who are like celebrities that love the rams sort of a mix to get a feel of like what's happening outside the team and what's the talk outside versus what's happening inside and then i just like to talk about general nfl news because that stuff has been very juicy these days (laughs) and then you know i just try and get like NFL personalities to kind of talk about, you know, if it wasn't for football, what they would be doing. And I've had the craziest answers. Like Ryan Clark told me that he would be a principal for school. Um, Danny Trejo told me he would be fixing cars. Uh, it's one said uh, Trey Wingo said he would be a marine biologist or something. With <laughs> He's the just ocean. watched a little too much Seinfeld. That's all that is. <laughs> totally, yeah. So it just depends on who's on, but it's been cool so far. And yeah, I've got Adam Lefko who went to Syracuse with me, so. He's my classmate, and now he's killing it at Bleacher Report. So to kind of flip it on you, if you weren't doing this, what would you be doing? <laughs> if I wasn't in football, I would probably be a baseball reporter because my dream was to be the Yankees reporter. That was like the simplistic <laughs> terms of like, this is what I'd like to do when I get older. And then that didn't happen. I've only covered two events around the Yankees <laughs> in all of my time covering sports. 
So I would say that, or I would be an interior designer. There we go. So you're at Serena on Twitter. How how mm-hmm. did you manage to land the one the highly coveted one name uh, Twitter handle? Yeah, I was like one of the first people on Twitter. I was like one of the first, like my mentor Harold Tamara. Shout out to him. He basically um, was like, you know, you should really try this new uh app out it's called twitter i think at the time it wasn't an app it was like only on site i don't know it was text to tweet (laughs) that's how far back that went and i remember yeah and i was like okay i'll I'll sign up and i just was like kind of it was weird because it was like putting your thoughts out to like the rest of the world and i was like is this safe (laughs) so i just my name is sort of unique and so i was kind of like well, I won't put my last name. I'll just do at Serena, and that way no one will know who I am right. fully, even though, like, my name is so unique that, like, people are like, oh, it's Serena. And I'm like, damn it. So um, now it's good. But, yeah, I was one of the first people to sign up to Twitter all because my mentor was sort of like, oh, you should try this thing out. You should try this. So I, I think one of my first tweets is complaining about a parking ticket that I got. <laughs> and I was like, wow, okay. So That Alton inside yeah. of the street, man, it gets you every oh, time. It gets, gets you every time. <laughs> I was stupid enough, so I was in high school when when Twitter came out, and, and I was just like, "Oh, let's just make my AOL screen name my thing." So that was my like old one, and then I'm like, "Oh, maybe branding is important if I want to do the sports media stuff." So I probably could have had the D E N Y, the four letter word on, on Twitter, if I would have done it when I did in 2008. But what can you do? You know? What can you do? Fail. It happens. Uh, right. So, by the way, just <laughs> as I was writing up these questions, I was doing it. Starbucks right over here. Don't know what street this is. I think I'm by <laughs> Hollywood Vine, by all of the, you know, like the Ringer Studios, all that stuff. Have you had the uh, the the Starbucks drinks since they've done the new lids? Yes. How are you supposed to drink this? Because I, I got to tell you, go in there, get the iced latte, right? And I'm sipping it. And I'm almost spilling it down the front. Do you do the straw? The straw seems like it looks weird. What's your go-to strategy? Yeah, you got to just drink it out of, like, the the sippy hole now. (laughs) But the problem is, right, because if there's a leak, you're having a problem. (laughs) So I think you got to put the napkin around the the cup of the Starbucks, you know, and then just, like, hope that you won't spill it on yourself. Or you put the straw in to the sippy spot and, like, you know, look crazy. (laughs) I get that they're trying to, like, reduce the whole straw thing. I love straws, so, like, I need to, like, invest in, like, a company that is going to create straws that I can throw in the dishwasher and reuse them, like, because it's, like, they have their own cleaner, mm. and you're, like, this is, this seems so ridiculous. Cardboard straws, you need to put, like, you have to take them out all the time from your drink and leave them on top so they don't soak, because right. then those are broken, too. So there's really no, like, I know that they've had some spaghetti straws that are they're like made of like pasta. Yeah. But I'm like, am I drinking tomato sauce here? Like, what's that gonna do? But I get the biodegradable thing. But like the you know, I'm I gotta look into straw manufacturers that will make them biodegradable <laughs> so that I'm not guilty of hurting the environment. And then if you drink out of the metal straw, you feel like you're about to get sick and you start taking all the drugs that you don't need to do, and then you know it's just a Correct. <laughs> It's all that doesn't work. I know, all for the straws. But when I just drink out of a cup, I spill yeah, everything. Exactly. So, like, <laughs> the straw helps. There was, like, a reason for this. But, like, now we're all like, hey, the one small thing that is ruining the environment is the straw. Like, there's so many other things that we could be looking at outside of the straw. And yet somehow we're like, oh, we don't even need this thing. But I'm like, 
I'm saving a lot of coals from being thrown out because of the straw. So, yeah, that's my that's my high horse. I'll just get off right now. <laughs> so I saw that you tweeted the other day, kind of keeping it in the food variety. I saw you tweeted the other day about uh, how Jared Goff got a uh, uh, lunch for everybody. What uh, Ram do you get most excited about when you hear that they catered lunch for the day at the Rams facility? Oh, my God. Well, last last time last season it was Aaron Donald and uh after he got his contract so it's really like hey guys every time you get a contract don't you know feel free to feed us people um so that's kind of nice but yeah I mean Aaron Donald did like steak and and lobster and all sorts of things so like it just depends on the player who got the contract but yeah it was pretty cool that Jared got lunch for everybody, and and he got it for the Agora staff because it's split like a thousand Oaks is where they practice at Cal Lutheran, and then there's an Agora office that obviously is where I'm sitting in the studio that they use. But it just depends on um, that, like they get fed, the Rams players get fed. So Jared like sent a nice lunch out of a surprise, just you know, out of goodness of his heart to feed the Agora staff. So that was pretty cool. What was the spread? Oh, everything like meat, potatoes, like steak, vegetables, gluten-free life. Oh, my gosh. Everyone was well-fed, to say the least. And there was way more food than necessary. So uh, everyone took home leftovers, thanks to JG. (laughs) I was hoping that you throw quesadillas in the mix of this because since I've been out here, you know, I've been trying to soak up as much of that SoCal Mexican food as possible. And I'm wondering, you know, kind of keeping it in – uh, the uh, count the dings sandwich question is a quesadilla a sandwich because I'm confused by this question. Oh my God. Uh, no, I don't think quesadillas are a sandwich. I'm sure that Zach Harper will argue and say cereal is a soup because he's a knucklehead. But um, <laughs> yeah, I don't think a quesadilla is a sandwich. I think it's its own unique entity. It's kind of like, is a tater tot a french fry? Like, I think it's just its own unique thing. Like, right. yes, it's a wonderful salted potato, but I don't believe that it belongs in the French fry category. Right. Same th- with the quesadilla. Like, just because it's got a cover of, like, you know, cheese and vegetables and meats doesn't make it a sandwich. So I take quesadilla out of that category because I'd be like, whoa. Then the quesadilla wins every time. Because right, exactly. it's like a whole other thing. You know, cold sandwiches and hot sandwiches are already in their own category. You got quesadillas. Like, doesn't even sound like the rest of them. So, no. Own the thing on the side. Love it. I don't know how I'm going to bring it back for my next question, but we're just going to awkward <laughs> transition here. Let's do it. <laughs> so, it seems like you had Danny Trejo on. Oh, Danny Trejo owns a lot of taco places. Here oh, we yeah. go. So, it seems yeah. like in LA, the intersection of sports media and entertainment it's it, it's kind of mixed in in new york it seems like it's kind of separate have you noticed that kind of a merger like synergy i know it's a popular word out here between the two. Oh yeah well i mean because it's like aka hollywood yeah. i think it's i see it you know i guess because i'm from new york i see it like the way guys show up to knicks games like mm. you always got spike lee you always had like certain like big stars show up to knicks games so maybe i'm not as like oh this is so weird that like we have like celebrities mm. mixed with our football team because obviously and then you know it's staples same thing right mm. um but i think uh i think yeah it's like becoming the new norm i appreciate it because i love that like 
Taryn Killam from SNL is a huge Rams fan as well. Like, I love when celebrities, like, tap into sports. Like, mm. I'm like, let's all be friends, man. <laughs> let's all throw a big party because then it makes me feel – you know when, like, athletes want to be rappers mm. and rappers want to be actors and actors want to be athletes? Like, we all are jealous of each other, and I want to do all of those things. And so I'm just on the outside just asking questions, hoping that someone invites me to the party. But it makes it a lot easier for me to be invited to that cool party if we're all mixing up the right. whole thing. Like, then it's like a stew, and I could just be like the cilantro that not everyone likes, but some people are like, oh, necessary. I love it. <laughs> Correct. I want to be the cilantro at all of that party stew and just hope for the best. So. I'm all for the mix of celebrity, music, sports. Like, throw that sucker in and add me to the garnish. I'm just the garnish on the top. <laughs> that was, I mean, that was, that was artfully crafted, like the perfect <laughs> stew that you just did right there. So what was yeah. the biggest difference for you moving from New York, Connecticut, the, you know, the tri-state to yeah. out here? Um, traffic is quite the, um, unique situation for me, um, because I use my time differently. I kind of feel bad. Like I call people when I drive now. And so I'm not sure if they're hurt or, or grateful because I make more phone calls or they're like, oh, this is Serena's garbage time and she can't do anything else with her time. So she'll just remember to call me, but I don't call people at home anymore because then I have to do other things. So to me, I think of it as like using my time wisely, um, but but my family might also uh, think, you know, terribly of me because they're like, oh, Serena's calling. She must be driving. <laughs> like, I don't have other times to call people. So I'd say that's one thing. Um, I've also appreciated that I take things in my car to go. Like, I love bringing like my coffee mug with me and drinking it versus being like, I've got to hold this sucker all day long. All like, right. that's a fa fantastic situation. I miss the subway, taking yeah. the subway, putting on a podcast because you can't make phone calls on the subway. So you're like, I'm zoning out and I'm going to mm. people watch and I'm going to listen to podcasts. I recommend all people in New York put on classical music and put it on their headphones and then watch people on the subway and walk around the city streets. Like, it is such a game changer of, like, how you manage, like, You'd be walking through and you're, it's like a movie. And I think it's the coolest experience. So I, I recommend that to everyone. Um, I also like being tan. It makes my <laughs> pale Colombian Puerto Rican skin look a little better. So I, uh, I appreciate the sun every day because no one's cranky. And when they're cranky, you know that they're doing something that's like way beyond the scope that anyone could imagine. Like you can't be cranky and eat avocado toast. So you probably didn't get your vegetables or your vitamin C. Like, do you have windows in your home? Like we start to question the things that are maybe, you know, less tangible for us to guess in New York. But if you're a cranky person in Los Angeles, like, are you living in a dungeon? Are you getting enough vegetables? Like, what's going on in your life? Because there, there's no possible way of being like, I'm so angry out here. The sun is shining and I chose that avocado toast and it tasted delicious. Like, then, you know, like, there's something wrong and maybe you need to buy a puppy, you know? So um, I think those are the major differences uh, from, you know, being in New York to being in LA. <laughs> I love the difference. So I had Howard Beck on who's from Northern California was down here for a long time. The difference between your answer and his, he was like, yeah, I kind of got tired of like every day being the same. He didn't say it like that, obviously, but like the difference between a, a New Yorker moving out here is like 80 degrees every day. Let's go. No snow. I don't have to clear the sidewalk in front of my building. This is wonderful. Yep. 
Yep, same. I know the cleaning the sidewalks thing. Oh my gosh, that's why you don't own cars in New York. That is a negative. Don't own any cars. Mm-mm. Oh my goodness. So, kind of getting back to Twitter a little bit. You get a lot of your tweets off during during the games. So just kind of take me through what your typical game day is and how, in between all your other responsibilities, you manage to get that content out there. <laughs> so yeah, for thankfully for um, away games, I'm just taking notes and watching um, from TV, which is helpful. So I can tweet all the cool creative things that I want because I'm home. And so and I, I usually work with um, or watch games with one of our scouts um, who then can help me break down film a little bit. And um, the woman who runs our website. So it's like sort of like three amigos just like watching the game sure. from different perspectives and stuff. And it's great. And then for um, for home games, I'm insane. So like if Todd Gurley does anything, I love the girl um, play on words. So, you know, he scored a touchdown and I was like, girl still got it. Like I'm all like, I would love to start a video series with Todd Gurley called just us girls, because I think that's genius. Um, I'm waiting for that day, but you know, he's busy. So it's understandable. Um, But so yeah, for home games, I get to the stadium, the Coliseum uh, like five hours before kickoff and the first hour I'm like writing all my notes down. The second hour I'm doing um, testing in the Coliseum for sound. The third hour, uh, two hours or an hour before kickoff, um, I do a Facebook Live with DeMarco Farr, who used to play for the Rams. And so we do a breakdown of like what to expect um, for game day, breaking down both teams. And then um, 20 minutes before kickoff, we do a live in-stadium show where I am tossing the different segments um tossing to the coaches who are speaking about the match um highlights from last week's game da 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 so that's all live in stadium and then during the game i'm taking notes and um and then i do like fun in stadium games with kids and stuff like that we do this 30 second challenge where i have a kid go against one of the rams players last week it was eric weddle who um had to list in 30 seconds activities to do with their family and he rocked it. He had 10 out of, in 30 seconds. And I was like, oh, man, you've made this very difficult for a child to beat you. But the kid in stadium was just like tons of stuff to do with your family and just started rattling off a gajillion things, added up to 13. So and then they win a, a prize each week. And so we do that. And um, it just depends on the game. But I am extreme. And then if the Rams win, which they did do post game interview on the field. So that's where I'm like writing all the notes down. Um, it's a little different than being up in the broadcast booth and like watching the game above. So there are things that I don't necessarily see as far as X's and O's are concerned. But I'm like in the action. The players all laugh at me. Like if I wa- right after I finish, like Danny Trejo, shout out to Danny Trejo, who loves to take the microphone away from me. And this is like the numero uno mistake. And like, no, no, when you're a reporter is like never lose control of your interview. But Danny Trejo is an outlier in all of these things. And so he will take the microphone from me like he did in um, the game against the Saints this past Sunday. And started doing famos rams, famos rams, and I was like, "Well, all right, well, I just lost that <laughs> microphone." And I was like, "You could tell I had I had told like Morgan Fox and a couple other guys. I'm like, just watch because I'm gonna do this thing with Danny Trejo, and it's going to be interesting." And sure enough, Danny Trejo took the mic and he's doing it, and I was like, 
And thank you for <laughs> helping us upgrade our uh, our fan of the game. We are going to be giving him uh, upgraded suites with Eric Dickerson. Thanks to our, our friends at Corona. And I was unable to like say any of that stuff because Danny Trejo <laughs> obviously overtook the uh, the entire microphone in stadium. And it was like hilarious. Like Steve Weiss from NFL Network and Morgan Fox, who plays for the Rams, mm. was like, dying laughing so just depends on the game just depends on whatever i'm doing but i do appreciate that i get to like um for this season until we're, we're sort of changing things up but uh we used to do a post-game interview in studio and i got to do like sort of a sports center highlight but this year we're changing things up so i'll be traveling for like the atlanta falcons game i'll be on the road with them because then we go to london so it's just kind of everything is new and nice. changing and it's all crazy <laughs> so you're going to london I'll be in London. Very yes. cool. You can yes. polish off that accent in the meantime. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When I've had a couple glasses of wine, sometimes it comes out because I used to live in London for a year. So I'm just excited to go back. It'd be cool. Let's talk about your career for a little bit. The grind. Uh, you graduate 2008, um, mm-hmm. doing a lot of different jobs. You know, if you look at your bio, LinkedIn. Um, it's crazy. During that time, what did you learn? What kind of transformed and helped your style going forward? So, yeah, I mean, it was like a blessing and a curse, like the, the curse uh, way more clear at the time. Like 2008, the market crashed. There mm. were no jobs. I graduate from Syracuse University. I was like, you leave the Bronx and you're sort of just like, oh, like at that time, you know, you were expected to get a job if you went to college. That was the whole thing. Mm. The the year before me, you was like the first time where people got hired, but then lost their jobs after getting hired. And everyone was kind of like, hold on a second. I thought I went to college to get a job. And now you're saying that if I go to college, I am not promised a job. That's weird. And it was the first time that that had ever happened, right? So I go to this, I'm thinking I'm beating the system even more by going to a school like mm. Syracuse versus any other school in broadcast journalism because it's known for like it's great journalism school. And I was like, all right, like I beat the system. I'm even going to do this. So when I don't get a job at a Syracuse, it was like, huh? there's something wrong. And so most people, I would say like some people decided, Hey, I'm going to go back to school, which I was like, that's illogical. That makes no sense. If my, you know, journalism school didn't pay for itself because the investment didn't pay off because I didn't get a job. Mm. And then secondly, um, you know, so some people did that. Some people, I was waitressing on 42nd street at this restaurant called Pershing square underneath it, right across the street from Grand Central Station. Mm. And I was like, this is not a good use of my skill set other than getting good tips because I knew how to talk to people. So I kind of was like, maybe I should travel. Uh, so I decided to travel in London. I worked for a marketing agency out there, or like a production agency in London. And I did that. Um, I started their softball team, which I was very proud of. Um, but I had sort of like an eclectic mix of, of work outside of that because I was sort of always trying to figure out like how to get back into sports journalism or journalism in general, which was super difficult. So it was sort of like, um, I went from London then I got a job with Nike as their field reporter, which I was like, great. But then working for a, a, a brands like Nike sort of deterred, um, local media to want to hire me. So like Bronx 12, New York, I interviewed with them. I'm from the Bronx. I was like a top athlete in a public school (laughs) system from the Bronx. I was one of the only female baseball players in the Bronx for a male league. Um, my mom's a public school teacher. My dad worked for the projects. Like I was pretty much like a surefire person. They would want to hire who knew 
what was going on, what were important stories, da 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 da. And all that said, they did not want to hire me. And I think partially because I had this weird, like branded reporting job. Um, and so I didn't get the uh, News 12, the Bronx did not want to hire me out, out after I had the job with Nike. So I was sort of like, okay, well, maybe I'll go into like digital media more. Maybe that's sort of like my way. So I was working at a an investment bank. I did sideline reporting for Verizon Fios, like just high school basketball games. And I was like, I just need to do this full time somehow. So I applied to True TV and I was hired as like a digital marketing assistant. And I ended up working on the show um, Impractical Jokers, no. which was great. And mm. I love those guys. So then I was like, okay, and this is maybe where I should be looking. And a guy who worked at True TV with me ended up um, taking a job at National Geographic. And I sent him a note and I was like, hey, what's going on with National Geographic? I know nothing about animals, but I think I should be working more in digital media. Is this something that like, are you guys looking for anyone? You know, and he was like, you would move to D.C. And I was like, I mean, I really have nothing else going on in my life. At that same time, I had applied to a job at CNN to help start their morning show, which is on now. Um, as like a digital producer, but the hours were like, start at 2am, finish at noon. And there was like, the pay was pretty low. And I was like, how am I going to get from Brooklyn at two o'clock in the morning safely to, you know, grant, um, to 59th street on a regular basis without, you know, spending all my money on Ubers. So that's sort of an issue. And so I was like, I got to figure this out. And so I ended up, um, turning that job down, um, National Geographic hired me and I ended up having the like greatest success of my career there in, in some regard. Like I, they were like, take over the Nat Geo Wild Facebook, like take over the Nat Geo Wild account. Like it's animals. We're not really doing anything with this. And I was like, okay. So I started thinking of all these crazy ideas. And like, so I started tweeting from the Nat Geo Wild account during football on Sundays. And it was like, Hey, you know, the Chicago Bears aren't playing well right now, but we got real bears playing on Nat Geo Wild. And then all of a sudden people were like, who's running this account? And I was just trying to like, you know, enjoy my sports, but also apply like whatever I could to Nat Geo Wild. And my boss was like, test things out, try it out, see what works, see what doesn't work. My mom bought me like a bunch of animal pun books because she was like, this will be fun for you. So I ended up growing the Nat Geo Wild accounts like, pretty ridiculously in a year's time that I was there. I grew the Facebook page from 300,000 to 6 million followers in a year, which was like insane without any paid nothing. It was all sort of organic. I thought animal butts were funny. So I put Tush Tuesdays up as like, look, there's an animal butt. Watch our programming on this animal that you can see in whole, like tonight on at eight o'clock on Nat Geo Wild. And sort of grew, grew from there and that's when I got the eyes of um, ESPN looking at me. Rob King who was the head of Sports mm -hmm. Center at the time was trying to change stuff up on ESPN and under the Sports Center brand and he knew that I was someone that had spoken to ESPN back when I was at ESPN or back when I was at Syracuse and I used to go I, I was the uh, president of the NAHJ, the National Association of Hispanic Journalists group at Syracuse. So I was always like networking fiend. Like ESPN was kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice, 
nice work, kiddo. <laughs> but so then when he saw that I was doing stuff at National Geographic, he thought, hey, you know, your mix of doing stuff on social media is smart. We could hire you to be on camera and some regard on SportsCenter. Let's make something work. So he hired me. And then that the rest is history. Mm. Like they allowed me to be on SportsCenter, start their morning sports center and be one of the anchors for that show. And I did that for a year and a half. And then they put me on features and I did that. And I kind of helped with their social media strategies and I did all those things. And then, um, and now I'm with the Rams and it was sort of just like ever flowing, changing life. But I sort of have a very weird and eclectic background, Mm. but to my advantage, because I sort of don't think maybe like a stereotypical reporter, I'm like thinking Mm. of like weird ideas all the time. A lot to break down there, but I want because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I want to start with the social media thing because how proud are you that uh, social media editors, people that run those sites, is like the first pink collar industry that we have? Yeah, it's crazy. Um, so I remember back. I don't know where my brain is just wired a little different, but I back in the day when um when I was at Syracuse. I remember Facebook had just sort of like started and it was just photos and it was for college kids only. And it was that sort of thing. And I remember even then being like, if everyone is, and then it became open to more people. I remember asking about that in YouTube to one of my professors, like if everyone is on Facebook and YouTube and we are broadcasting our news on television, but if the audience is here then why are we not putting our news in this space as well? Like I, I, I asked it as like, I don't have an answer for it, but <laughs> mm. it was something that I was sort of thinking about. And I remember my professor at Syracuse didn't really have an answer. And I was sort of like, hmm, interesting. Like how, like where, where is the answer to that? And so the fact that social media has progressed itself to where it is now, where like the two are completely interchangeable and like you can't tell one from the other half the time, I think is a credit to like how far, it's become and it's also like exciting for me because I was like, okay, I was onto something back then, you know. <laughs> and how quickly did you realize that the interactions is the actual currency and not the number of followers? And and how has that helped your career? Yeah, um, I would say it's like crazy to one interact with other reporters and other athletes that like I may never meet or that I've you know now have met because. I've interacted with them on social media. So like Zach Harper, perfect example. Like we got along so well via Twitter and everything else that like when we met, it was like, dude, you're like one of my best friends. Like, did you realize we were just became best friends? You know, it was sort of like one of those like magical, like, ah, dude, like I know you so well. So there's a lot of moments like that that I think happen. And yeah, I don't think that people realize that it's it's more of the um, right. It's always quality over quantity. Like it doesn't matter that you know you don't have a good million followers on whatever platform. It's more about the way that you're constantly interacting with people that will grow it slowly but surely. But I think for me, I've always appreciated the organic growth and that like true to yourself interaction. You know, like there's a lot of times where you get brands who like hit you up and they're like, "Yo, can you post this for us? We'll give you some free stuff." And I'm like. Eh, so like there are times where I'm kind of selective about that mm. stuff even now. And I'm like, this is dumb. Like I should be able to get more followers <laughs> or I should be posting more selfies or I should be doing whatever. And then I'm like, nah, it's really about like, what's your brand? And like, obviously you play into some of that. Like <laughs> when this, um, this shake, uh, company 360 gave me like their free smoothies. I was like, 
I'm on it. I want some freaking <laughs> smoothies and they taste delicious. And so I'm all in. So I think, but it's again about kind of being true to yourself and kind of like navigating the waters a little bit. So it is completely about that. But I also feel like people who follow me know exactly, like I've never changed from <laughs> my time talking to you to like when I'm on the field, like you're pretty much getting yeah. the same human every time. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of, of, of your personality, how overwhelming was the first day that you ever did SportsCenter? Oh my gosh, yeah. I, I flubbed. I totally screwed up everything, I'm sure. Um, I remember when we did, we did two rehearsals, and I remember that day. I was so nervous internally because I was like, I don't belong at this table. For, you know, like, to be real, like, I had never had national television experience prior to being on SportsCenter, and somehow they were like, yeah, no, you're going to do the first episode right after the Super Bowl. It's the most watched uh, Sports Center of the year. So we're going to start that and uh, and it'll be great. And like you're totally not used to having someone talk in your ear and all these things and reading teleprompter. I found out I was dyslexic being on Sports no Center. Way. I had no idea my entire life I was dyslexic. But I learned later because I had such a hard time reading teleprompter. But most of the things that I did had no use of teleprompter like when I was on camera so like that was interesting I started to memorize everything that was on teleprompter and I, I taught myself how to read it but like it was really hard and it, it was great because my entire life I always felt very stupid and then I realized later oh no you just can't read words like everyone else so you need like m's and n's oh hmm. like forget it like I have would have to make sure I knew that like 50 times going in that like that was going to be a problem for me um so yeah i learned that on the wow. job and like reading highlight sheets were very unique yeah. for me because it's all crumpled up in like a, you have to read like this mm -hmm. and it's super complicated and words are close together so me writing things i had to be careful with that i would reword things i was like completely meticulous um but yeah going back to that first day i didn't know any of those things because i was learning on the job and i remember i think in rehearsals i messed up uh, Stephen Curry. I said like Stefan because I was so nervous mm. and like I just like everything was backwards and it's not like I didn't know what I was talking about so there was this part of me that was like feel good about yourself girlfriend you belong here you know what you're talking about but there was also like Kevin Nagandi, Jay Harris and Jamie Sire have been doing this <laughs> for a very long time and here I am coming in from National Geographic and they are entrusting me to do what I am needed to do so yeah, it was such a fart. And I, if I look back at that, I'd probably be like, oh, no, let me just close my eyes and my ears because it's all bad. So I'm glad that they kept me on and I was able to progress on national television, which is not a normal thing for anyone to do. And I was able to do that long enough. <laughs> That's crazy. Wait, so I, I read the story that you found out that you got laid off and you were giving your dad a tour. Yep. <laughs> Let me tell you, I've given my family a tour of Sirius a couple times. That would be my nightmare because you're already kind of hesitant. Like, do I really kind of belong here? Should I really be showing outsiders this? Oh, yeah. my gosh. I can't. So, so what was that day like? I can't even imagine. I kind of had an inkling that that was going to happen. Like, you know, your agent kind of talks to you and they're sort of like, hey, they're pulling some stuff from you, some work from you. Just, you know keep asking, keep putting your face in, da, 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 da. And I was like, okay, I'll keep showing up to work until someone tells me otherwise. So I remember that my dad had planned to visit me in Connecticut that week. Like it just so happened that was the week that I was told I was going to be laid off. And so I was sort of like, well, I can't do anything about this until someone tells me, hey, you're 
thank you for your service and good riddance. So um, I basically had him come and visit me like I was pretending like, oh, whatever. I had a meeting with Rob King that day that was scheduled. Um, and I had a feeling it was that meeting mm. that I was going to be told that. So I was like, let me have my dad come early before the meeting. I'll leave him in the cafeteria. He'll get some food while I find out that I'm, you know, being laid off um, or that they were not going to keep me, I should say. I know it was part of a bigger uh, scope of like all the ESPN layoffs, but they they just didn't pick up my contract. Mm. Um, and so um, but they told me in that meeting. And so I was like, OK, kind of knew that was happening and this sucks and I need to sh put on a good face for my dad. And I didn't want to ruin the day for him because it was like, this was my dream job. This was like a moment where I was like, oh my gosh, I made it. The girl from the Bronx got out. I mean, we, we grew up in a one bedroom apartment in the Bronx and my mom and dad would sleep on the couch and we had bunk beds in our room. I mean, there were days like th there was no electricity. Our landlord was terrible. Like, I mean, I was constantly like thinking there's no, my dream was to like be able to have my own apartment at some point. Like it was just never a thought that like I could ever get to a place where they entrusted me to be on national television and talking about sports. So for me to get to like that level in my career after being on food stamps was such a surreal thing. And so I did not want to ruin that moment for my dad. So I didn't tell him for uh, a handful of days. Like I think it was a week later that I ended up telling my dad like, Hey, um, yeah, I was laid off, whatever, whatever, as I just wanted him to enjoy that day for himself. And so it was it was like good for me because I was strong enough to get through the rest of the day and keep a smile on. And, you know, and, and, he, and my dad had the best day he met, like Ryan Clark and Adam Schefter and Jamel Hill. And like it was it was such a good day that I was just like, I'm going to go home and going to get through this day and cry in my bed, you know, afterwards. But my dad got to appreciate that day. So, you know, it works out for the best because like it, all of his happiness was worth, mm. you know, me keeping my composure. Wow. So that moment when because God knows we've all been there when nobody will will like hire you. Like what did you learn about yourself during that time? Um, that, you know, life goes on and it's humbling. Certainly, you know, you get to this place where you're like, OK, I think I'm good and I'm going to be here. So always feeling like you can be flexible with things. You know, there were times where like I had job offers to go back into social media, digital media and become like more of a creative executive um, to help different brands think of better ways to like improve their social media. And I kind of turned down those jobs like I, I thought about, you know, being doing bartending again. Like I was sort of like, what what can I do to like keep busy? But also, you know, I kind of just held out for the best. Um at one point, like a, uh, I did get hired for a startup company, and it just it didn't last long because I ended up getting the job with the Rams. But you know, I was out of work for about eight months, so it it was really a you know family effort, a lot of auditions. Like I auditioned at MLB Network, I auditioned at Sports Illustrated, a lot of really good friends. Like Amino Hassan mm. is like one of my favorite humans in the universe because he was just like dude, you are worthy of, you know, being where you are. Like there's, this isn't like a testament to your work. It's more just like they got to find the right place for you. And so, and Ryan Clark, I would say the same, um, really was like my two cheerleaders to be like, yo, you got this. So there's a lot of that. There's a lot of internal, like, you know, figuring out what I should be doing. Um, so I learned to like 
kind of keep your head up even when you don't feel like that's the best option for you and to keep networking like it was sort of you know i got dengue fever traveling while i was trying to do my eat pray love like moment in my life where i was like oh you know i should travel and make myself feel better and learn something i ended up getting really sick and i was hospitalized overseas by myself and so it was sort of just like the crappiest uh eight months of my life and nonetheless now i'm just like we made it through I'm okay, you know, like I can afford my own apartment now. I'm I'm friends with Aaron Donald. Like we're good. Like everything's a okay. So that's awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. I'll, I'll, I'm just happy that you're in Amino Hass and Truther because he likes to put on this hard, tough exterior. But the mm-hmm. fact that he's deep down, when you get underneath, that he's a big softy. That's a that big old softy. That's a good thing that it, it, it's on the record. So what yeah. have been some of the perks now that you've been out here with the Rams job? Quite frankly, like, what do you think your next step is from here to, is it making Ramblin' a Sirius XM show? Is it kind of having that little synergy? I see you. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I got you. Um, you know, I think, well, the great things about the Rams, one, I, I feel like I had never covered football, X's and O's. Like, this has been a great learning for me to be able to, like, learn more of the language. Like, I think it's, like at some point when you speak sports, it's like learning Latin. You're like the foundation of like all the languages. And for me, I only spoke like I'm I'm I speak Spanglish, right? So like I I didn't understand all the things that need that needed to be said in the rhetoric. And so I just have continued to like build that and feel very comfortable. Where now Amin especially makes fun of me because I'm such an NBA fan. I I played baseball for ten years of my life. That coming in and and speaking about football, like Amin is like. Where the hell you learn this? Like, what what is happening? Like, where where did you do the how or what? So it's been great to be like, ha ha, look at me, bro. Like, I got this. So, um, I think that's been great. Uh, I think like, and that's a testament to the Rams and entrusting me that you know I was a, a chick who covered a lot of basketball, like NCAA basketball and NBA and and baseball, and coming in as like I covered like big topics in the NFL, but I was never doing X's and O's. And now I, I'm like. Send me in, like, like I can do keys to victory. Let me go. Let's break down this film. Um, so I think that's been great. And I was watching a lot of film last my first season with the Rams with the scout. So shout out to T Wood because he was like my homie for that. Um, and then honestly, being around Sean McVay and Wade Phillips has been a great learning experience for me on you know how to carry yourself. Like I sort of like landed in this perfect situation of like a team that does everything to the highest standard. It's been great for me to like be taken care of with the Rams like the players respect me um coaches and and there's like just a mutual respect of like dude you're doing the things that you do best and they're letting me do the things that I do best so uh, I think that that's always helpful football players are very um PR'd in some (laughs) degree where they're like yep we're just trying to be the best every week and it's not about this game and it's about you know taking it day by day and like that's all wonderful to hear but it's also like a good challenge for me as a reporter to try and get them out of that space a little bit to show their personalities because especially in in the NFL there are so many personalities in in these locker rooms but they don't get seen as much because they're wearing a helmet and they don't get to like show their face so as much as I can do that in in this locker room and there's 53 guys versus you know five on the on the court or like you know 10 on a baseball field 
they're all wearing helmets and they've got a name and a number on the back and you hardly get to see like what these guys really look like and act like and all those things and they're hitting people on the field where like usually like Aaron Donald is one of the nicest humans I would trust him with a with a baby bird you know that needs to be cradled you know like he would never hurt anything and yet somehow he gets into this mental state and is able to attack you know quarterbacks every week and other offensive lines so I've really learned about like all the things that go around how to operate a, a football team, which takes a lot. There's so many different people that are part of game day, so many people that are part of the schedule and taking care of the players. And it's just an insane amount. And it's great for me to be able to learn that. And also for me to feel part of like the family here, because I'm really taken care of. So, you know, just knowing, you know, even like the trainers and, um, the the different coaches and they're all like, what's up, Serena? Like some of them call me New York. Some of them joke with me. Wade Phillips like likes to tap me on the other shoulder. So I do the like, what? Oh, you got me again. Like all that stuff is is so great. So, yeah. That's amazing because that's really at the end of the day, all anybody wants in, in, in a job is a really supportive community. All that said, who would be of, of, of the people you've met or, or haven't met yet, who would be your either dream podcast guest or podcast co-host? Oh. Oh, man. Um, I mean, honestly, if we could get a Zach Harper and Amino Hassan, Serena Morales mix, I know that you do your best to do that every week because which started because I would FaceTime Amin yeah. to talk to him because I'd wake up and be like, I wonder what Amin's doing. Let me FaceTime him. And then it became the, <laughs> then they made just, the mistake of giving me your phone number. And I was like, let's, image the shit out of this. let's do this. Exactly. <laughs> So um, I would, that's my dream is to have my two buddies um, do uh, some sort of podcast or television show or something because I think the three of us would be great. Um, you know, I, uh, my favorite athlete growing up and he's not alive anymore is Yogi Berra, no, but I just course. always found, I, I wore the number eight in baseball because of him. Um, I think catchers are the smartest uh, athletes out there. They just for, for Yogi Berra to call a perfect game and to be um, an incredible hitter and, and it was a manager at one point and just like, and to be funny, like I think those things all take different parts of your brain. So for him to be able to do all those things and have a really successful career and also just, you know, genuinely be a nice person. I think all those things take a degree of talent. Like from like, it's gr easy to be a, a, piece of crap and be on camera because it's you, you you know you need to be a certain level of confidence and be like you know to be able to perform and be like no what I say is truth whether I believe it or not I'm you're gonna believe it because I say it like this right it takes a level of like confidence and so I think those are things that are always hard because you also want to be a good person and be like I care about you so you know when I'm I remember being on Sports Center and like I was friends with all the guys that were like you know, the, the cameraman and the, the stage director and all those things. And I want to talk to them, but I also needed to prepare for this nationally televised show. So you want to be like, I can't, I can't, I can't talk to you. Could you just get, you know, so I think there's a level of like, it's very easy to be a jerk. It's so easy to like only focus on one thing because it's like, this is what I'm good at. So go away. And then just like working on personality constantly. Uh, to me, I'm like, you can't always you know, put value in your looks long term because this all fades at some point. So I could eat all the green juices and smoothies <laughs> I possibly can and get all the Botox in the world and do 10 push-ups a day and hope for the best. But 
if God forbid something happens to me physically, like, then it's out of my control. So I would hope that people love me because I've worked very hard on my personality and and that is what I'd be loved for at the end of the day. So for me, I always appreciated that in an athlete of Yogi Bear's caliber, who was a World Series champ, who was, you know, played for one of the, the top teams in the entire world historically and still was a nice person and still was a smart baseball player and still like did all the things that we know him for. So he would be the guy if he could just come back um, from from being dead, I would love to have him as my interview and or do a show with Yogi Berra. Love it. So what's next for you outside um, of uh, week three? Yeah, outside <laughs> of that, um, I'm, I, we've got some new things, video content that are in the works right now. Um, and uh, I'm working on being able to do 50 push-ups at some point this season so that I can show Aaron Donald that somehow I'm hiding all these muscles underneath my jackets every day. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I just, you know, going to the Super Bowl the first season with the Rams was just so surreal and I was sort of like pinching myself. So now that I know how to handle myself and I'm not a kid in the candy store, I hope that, you know, this team uh, does what they're expected to do. Go back to the Super Bowl. Let's have some fun. I, I think that they're all deserving of that because this is like, honestly, firsthand, I see every day how hard this team works. And to, again, like to be the team reporter for this team has been, I mean, we've got the biggest names in football on the Rams. And, you know, so I just am like, appreciating that in all of its glory, you know, yeah. every time I, I, I get to cover them. My thanks to Serena Morales there. Follow her at Serena on Twitter, Morales Morales on Instagram. She's awesome. Be sure to her podcast, Rambling with Serena Morales, is available on iTunes. Check out all of it friend of the show she's a friend of you she's a friend of me she's a friend of everybody she's great plenty of ways to get in contact with this show you can follow me on twitter at denny underscore gallagher you can follow the show later podcasts on instagram hey send us an email you ever thought about something send it our way man later podcast at gmail.com that's the address also, be sure to rate, subscribe, review, share all of the channels. Get the word out there. Tell your friends. Tell their friends. Let's really create the pyramid scheme that this podcast deserves to be. Plenty of fun stuff coming down the pike for you. You can get all the news there that you need. Thank you so much for listening. Let's cue up the boys from Tom, Dick, and Harry. And until next time, later. Later.